So in this season of Advent, as Isaiah has taken us to these wonderful places, now we're really not so much on location as we understand this sense of hope, but realizing it's just a different kind of presence. And as we'll hear in a minute from Matthew, we're taken back to this prophecy that we saw Anne read for us as King Ahaz is very concerned about what's happening. This is during the time um, after Solomon where Israel and Judah now have split. You have the two tribes in the south of Judah, the 10 tribes in the north are Israel, and they're not getting along very well right now. Even though they both trace themselves back to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, uh, there's, there's, um, there's, there's challenges that are happening between them. So King Ahaz in the south is worried about Israel in the north and then alliance that they're making with another country and they're afraid they might get overpowered. So. King Ahaz of Judah is thinking he might need to make an alliance with another country, so he becomes stronger. All of this is happening, and Isaiah says to him that a child will be born. Look, the young maiden is already with child, and this child will come and will we'll know the evil and the good. And we kind of hear this prophecy, thinking of Ahaz is probably hearing this thinking, okay, you're sending me a child. I could really use 100 more soldiers. That would really be what I'm looking for. And what Isaiah tries to come and tell him is God's always gonna work in different ways. And those are gonna, there's gonna create a new sense of trust in you. It's easy to trust in 100 or 1,000 soldiers. God's gonna ask you to trust in a new way when this child comes. And so then when we, hear Matthew once again, as we've been hearing throughout, uh, throughout this Advent season, as Matthew picks up on the prophecies from Isaiah, we have a chance to hear that again, how Matthew understands this, uh, this prophecy from Isaiah living out as we'll hear this, what uh, Matthew tells us is the birth story. Glory to you, O Lord. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. So as we read that Gospel reading according to Matthew, the birth of Jesus, actually one of the first things I think about when I read that, although we're jumping ahead like about a week this year anyway is, but I am so grateful for the Gospel writer Luke 
Could you imagine if Matthew had built our Christmas pageants for us? How dull would that be? We'd have some guy sleeping, one angel talking, and it'd all be over with, just like that. And we'd be thinking, oh no, thank goodness for Luke that in a week we get to have shepherds and and a whole host of angels and a stable with the manger and all of that that goes. But Matthew was writing this for a very specific purpose for us to see once again the fulfillment of this Old Testament prophecy. So he hearkens us back to this to this prophecy that really from Isaiah, if we'd have read that on its own, we probably would have buzzed right past it. It's actually the New Testament fulfillment of that that seems to bring it so much more life. If we think about Isaiah sharing this with Ahaz and and, and him thinking about that prophecy, he probably left the prophet Isaiah and said, what am I supposed to do now with that? That doesn't really do much for me in the midst of everything I'm dealing with. And yet maybe in the same way we were called to to be like Ahaz a little bit, to sort of set our own, our own sense of, of power and, and of might aside and just to allow God's sense of, of what that brings to us to come through. So as Matthew now gives us this story of Joseph and uh, Mary now pregnant before they'd been together as husband and wife and he's trying to figure out what do I do with all of this the angel appears to him in a dream and then is told simply about what's happening it's from the Holy Spirit he's going to take her and and Joseph wakes up from that dream and has this sort of resolution of how things are supposed to be and I've thought about that at times too and I thought that never happens in my dreams. I never feel like everything just works out and I wake up and know exactly what I'm supposed to do. Most of my dreams are so crazy they don't make any sense at all when I wake up from them. So I can't figure out how it is that Joseph gets this nice calm dream that lays everything out and actually turns out the way it's supposed to. That's the kind of dream I want to have someday. But for Joseph, this was such an important time for him because he'd already determined, as we're told, he was going to dismiss Mary quietly. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. So don't forget that I said Joseph was going to just dismiss Mary quietly. Because what would happen here if it was found out that Mary was engaged to somebody, but now she's pregnant, but the two of them had not been together, this would be a huge scandal in the midst of this little town of Nazareth that they lived in at the time. So Joseph could have exposed had already determined he was not going to do that. He was just going to simply go his way. Mary was going to go her way. And that would be it. But now, Joseph, in the midst of that struggle, comes out of this dream, experiencing a new sense of God's presence, experiencing a new sense of hope of what it is that God is going to accomplish so as, as, um, as uh, Matthew reports back to us of fulfilling this prophecy of naming him Emmanuel or that he would be Emmanuel, God with us, but now Joseph saying name him Jesus, which means God saves, it kind of brings all of this together that we understand, that we understand that hope sometimes comes to us in the most unlikely of places. 
We, most, we, we probably wouldn't normally say, oh God, I'm just in such distress. If only there were another baby around. That would just make everything go just right. Especially if we would say like when the wise men encounter Jesus and he's like a toddler now. Has anybody said if we could just have one more toddler in this house, everything would calm down? And that's never been said anywhere. And so somehow we realize that God comes to us in the most unlikely of places, allowing us to immerse ourselves into God's presence in a way that might not be what we would incline ourselves to. And in the midst of that, we hear again that Joseph said he's going to dismiss Mary quietly. He thought all of this could just literally go away in the night. But what's interesting in Matthew's gospel, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit to what we'll be in church on January 8th together celebrating, but I want to just point out that in Matthew's gospel, he goes from this story of Joseph wanting to dismiss Mary quietly, but the next thing we're going to read after this birth story of Matthew is the story of the Magi seeing a star in the sky and then coming and traveling first to Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem to bring lavish gifts to this child. So anything that was supposed to be quiet about this birth is blown wide open and the entire world is welcomed in to experience hope in a way that they never would have imagined. And so the prophecies that have come through Isaiah of a field that looks dead and barren but knows it will spring up to life, of a stump that looks like it has been cut down but now has a branch growing up out of it, of a wilderness that is dry as desert and yet springs will bring forth. Now it's in the simplicity, the humbleness, and the, just the complete sense of peace around a child that has been promised to be with us. And what I think may be most amazing through Isaiah and now we interpreted through Matthew, what the people were looking for was a sign. I mean, I want a sign and I gotta believe, even though they probably didn't quite have them yet, they were looking much more for a billboard with lights around it to really tell us that we know God is here. The people desired a sign. And instead, what they got was a child. Instead, what they received was so much more than a sign. What we are about to receive is the very presence of God. Amen.